really think of anything shocking. It's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. But I can't think of anything shocking other than it being a lot of fucking hard work. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow. So I've got to learn to sit down and sit still. to another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, and today we have the amazing Gwendolyn Osborne with us, who will be sharing her story of being an entrepreneur, being in the film and TV industry, and just what this journey has been like. So Gwendolyn, I'd love to pass it to you to give us the introduction and um, and background about who you are and what you do. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to call you Georgie because I like that. But Georgiana is a very beautiful name. Thank um, you. And we're both G's, so I'm feeling that. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, it could take a while, but I'll try to uh, <laughs> put it down. Um, basically, I am I'm a barrier breaker, um, a ceiling crasher. Um, I love to create new and um, inspiring places and goals for women. Um, I've done it naturally since I was in school. Um, my first time doing that was as a teenager. I went to school in Bath, England, and uh, the kids there, we all had to wear uniforms. The boys were allowed to wear, of course, trousers, we call them, mm-hmm. um, so pants over here in America. And I didn't understand why the girls had to freeze in English weather and not be able to wear them. And so I started a petition. And I got every girl in the school to sign this paper to say, would you like to wear trousers so you don't have to freeze when it's snowing? And they all said yes. So now at St. Mark's School in Bath, England, every woman can wear, every girl can wear a pair of trousers when it's cold. So I've done that. went on to, um, yeah, (laughs) that was the start. Um, I went on to, uh, I became a teen mom at 18 years old. And I basically put her on my back. She would run with me around to all of my castings in Miami. I was a model, started out there. And um, she started out modeling there too. Mm. And um, yeah, and uh, I went on to do movies, commercials, came out to LA, booked Prices Right. I was on there for 12 years. I'm the longest running woman of color on a daytime game show. <laughs> so that was 12 years. Um, and then went on to do Wonder Woman 1984, and that came out in 2020. Um, I didn't actually leave the prices right to go on to become an Amazon and Wonder Woman 1984, but if I could have planned it, that would be the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I am still pursuing my acting. I've just finished a, sh- a lead as a short in a short film, um, so that should be in short film festivals coming out next year, 2023. Um, and I'm just you know making great decisions about how I would like the acting career to go. And I'm an entrepreneur. I have a facial oil, an anti-aging facial oil. Now I've just collabed with a new candle that has a Caribbean islandy spa smell because I'm half Jamaican. And um, I'm a mother of three now and not just of one. And they are the ranges of nine to 20 something. I'm not allowed to say her name anymore. <laughs> she went on from modeling to acting and told me to stop saying her age. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love this story. And, you know, we we resonate in certain ways. So 
I'm Jamaican as well. I, I was a teen mom. So I'm really hearing this come through and just been a petitioner and an activist for like just the opportunities that could be brought to women. So, you know, you've been advocating from, for this from a very young age. So I want to talk to you a little bit about like what got you interested in modeling and acting? You know, um, was there like a crucial moment that said, this is my path and that I, you know, we're going to talk about how you integrated back your other work as an entrepreneur into it, but what, what kicked that off? I was born singing and dancing and acting. <laughs> so uh, my family had to put up with me creating shows and performing when I was younger, growing up all the time. I've just always done it. I, I was in, um, I went between Miami and England with schooling. So I was in the Miami Youth Symphony Orchestra playing the cello. Uh, you know, so I've learned how to uh, write, read, uh, sight read music. Um, I also play the piano. I'm not huge like hugely great at playing the piano, but I'm very good at like playing and singing and that's good enough. Um, yeah, and so I've just always been performing arts. I went to performing arts schools. I went to performing arts college. It's just always been my passion. I went to uh, the Brit school in, in England, which was, um, uh, why have I forgotten his name? Virgin, who owns Virgin? Richard Branson. Branson so yeah. he opened up this Brit school where uh, performing artists didn't have to any longer figure out what a plan B was because he had put it in, he'd integrated into the school so that you could work on stage, off stage, on camera, off camera, and always have a job within the industry, which is really what LA is about. You know, yeah. living out here now, you know, everybody around you has something to do with the industry. They're not always a performer, but they have their jobs in it. And mm -hmm. so that was highly appealing to me. So I was like, that is where I need to be. And I, I was there for a year. Um, then I came out to Miami and I went to New World School of the Performing Arts and it's pretty much the same thing. So I've just always loved it. When I got pregnant so young in America, um, I was like, wow, whoa. I've done a couple <laughs> modeling jobs, <laughs> but now I gotta make some money. You know what I mean? Like now I gotta figure this out. And so I need to do what I know I can. So I walked into Irene Marie Modeling Agency and, uh, and that's kind of where the modeling started, but I still worked my way back to, all right, let's get back into acting and stuff. So it's just always been there. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> you definitely did. You definitely did. And I love that path and that transition. And so, you know, I, we, we always hear about like the modeling industry can get very gruesome. So how did you feel about doing that as well as like a, as a new mom? Like how, you know, did you incorporate your motherhood into modeling? How did you make that initial part of it work? What a great question. Um, I did incorporate it into my motherhood because like I said, she was with me. She she's my little purse and I just put her on my back and we would just roll a skate to one casting and then to another casting. Before you knew it, she had her own comp card. They called them comp cards back in the day where you had your pictures and everything on this one card. Um, now it's all online, but she had hers. And so she started getting booked. And then we would sometimes get booked together, mostly not because um, she's more chocolate than I am. People never really assume that a mother my age would have a child that young. So, you know, it was great though. I mean, she ended up working, Cynthia Bailey, who's now Real Housewives of Atlanta star, mm -hmm. played at the time she was modeling. She played her mother a couple of times. Um, so I got to, you know, meet people that were a little older and in the industry and, you know, also very wise. Cynthia Bailey is a great woman. Um, and I just was like, you know, this is my life. I've always been proud 
to be a mother. I know that, and you may know this too, with being a teen mom comes a lot of shame. And yes. in yourself, but other people around you, they don't help either. Because my Jamaican grandmother was like, oh, you gotta go up in a church with your big belly like that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I am going to walk into the church with my belly big just like this. Because you know what? I have been graced, right? I have been given, I am so grateful that I'm going to be able to become a parent and I'm going to do the best of job that I ever can. Exactly. And that, I, I made that decision when I was pregnant with her. She's, like I said, in her 20s now and she's full on acting, making more money than me. She's doing really well. So I, I did it. I put in my, uh, my deed of what I'm going to do for her and I made it happen. So there we go. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it's so important that we incorporate, you know, we don't take what some people might look at as something shameful or a disadvantage to you, or we don't listen to what the stereotypes are out there, right? You know, is it possible to become a teen mom and not be successful? Absolutely. But is it possible to become a teen mom and be extremely successful? Absolutely. So it's just taking on the reins of what we want to do and just being passionate and focused and driven to achieve those goals and you know, acknowledging that there will be bumps along the way and that we're going to see the bumps and go over the bumps. Um, exactly. So now we shift into, you know, now you, you did the modeling, you're, you, you're, you're both getting older a little bit. And so how did you end up on The Price is Right? That's very interesting. And were you like behind the scenes? Were you like a player? How did, how did that work? <laughs> um, I... I was, you know, just honestly, Price is Right wasn't like a huge deal for me in my life because I grew up in England. So for other people, it was like, oh my God, Price is Right. And I was like, well, <laughs> how much does it pay? Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> See, as a single mom at the time, I need to know, is this worth my time, right? Cost-wise, mm -hmm. I got to pay somebody to pick her up from school those days and all those things, you know? So um, I, I actually had auditioned for the job, but being in this industry, okay, and as you said, it is, it can be gruesome sometimes, it can be grueling, um, it can be cutthroat, you know, you have to have a hard skin, you got to know yourself, you're in competition with just you, right? So all of those things that I'd been doing already for so many years before I auditioned for The Price is Right, I didn't get it. They ended up actually booking Lanisha Cole, who... Um, you know, she was on there for a few years too. And we ended up working together later on, but they were, you know, they say they're looking for a black girl, but that black girl doesn't usually look like me in their mind, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're like, we don't know what you are. Are you Spanish? <laughs> um, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I lost that job because I'm so ethnically ambiguous. Um, so yeah, then I ended up working on The Bold and the Beautiful um, as a five and under actor. And it actually works right next door to The Price is Right. One of the grips, which is like a stagehand, mm -hmm. uh, saw me over there, went and spoke to the producers at Price is Right and said, how do you see this girl? You need her to come over here to Price is Right. So I ended up auditioning again that way. <laughs> and then I did end up getting the job. So um, that's how that came about. And to be completely clear, at that time, I think this is important for you to know, it sounds crazy for me to even say at that time. <laughs> they didn't book two black girls on the show at the same time. They only had one. You could only be one. They could only have one appearance of diversity. So that could have been an Asian model or a Spanish model or whoever. But they would never have two black girls and a diverse person. They would, or and a white person. They would only have white girls and somebody else. So we would work less, and we just accepted that. 
that was just the way it was. That's just the way it um, was. So Lanisha and I never actually got to work together for quite a few years of even working on the show because it didn't change until um, Mike Richards came in as a new producer and Drew Carey came on as the host. Wow. And, you know, even, even just highlighting that to, you know, you're not extremely old. It's not like you're bringing pushing a <laughs> hundred, right? Like this no. is recent times. Like this is 10, 20, you know, 20 years ago, 30 yes. years ago at most that this is happening and people, you know, do have we come away? Yes. But this was so much so, you more know, to go. 10 years ago, 10 years ago, <laughs> 10, right. That, that 10. is 2012. Right. And that yeah. is, ridiculous honestly and you know I think what happened like in that phase too was that we all saw that you know the calls for diversity and inclusion and DEI programs they came up and instead of I think there wasn't a proper integration or collaboration I don't know the right word to use here that certain shows they just ended up overdoing it in this like weird way I remember um a show that I was watching and I'll call this out uh what was it called oh my goodness it was on ABC. It was like about a family. Um, what? Oh my, I can't remember the show. But essentially, all their seasons had had, you know, very maybe one or two diverse characters, right? So seasons one through six. And then they launched a seventh season. It's taking place in like a Spanish neighborhood, Hispanic neighborhoods. And then they're just throwing all of these like people of color, um, Hispanic people, Asian, um, LGBTQ. It's just like they're throwing like, okay, we didn't do it the first six seasons. So let's throw all the diversity into this season and make it not make sense. And, it, you know, the viewership went down because it was, it didn't make sense. <laughs> like, because it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Like, thanks, I get what you're trying to do here, but this was very, like, it, it yeah. made But we see you're just trying to fulfill a quota here. We right. Like, it was trying. so clear that this was for a quota that I was just like, I can't even, you know, I want to support and everything, but I just, I can't even get into it. Like, this is gross. Like, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Not, I'm um, not understanding this. There's got to be some other explanation. Where is the authenticity here? And exactly. that's when we start, you start losing people, right? Especially mm-hmm. in this day and age now, which I'm loving, but it's also very scary, you know, because people can get canceled. Um, and I have a mouth on me, right? So <laughs> I'm always like, oh, shit, watch what you're saying. Um, but the authenticity is what's beautiful when people really know, oh, you're speaking from your heart. You're speaking from truth. You want something like this to really happen. I'm going to make it make sense. You know, Thank when we don't, you. then we see it. We hear like, um, oh, no. yeah, it just <laughs> it's like, you know, good intentions. I get you're trying to be progressive, but the way you're going about it just does not work. If we, we don't want to keep it. If you're going to be fake with it, keep it. Like, you know, I, I'm keep growing it. up, that would be like a saying that like my family would have. It's just like, if you're not going to be real, keep it to yourself. I don't need it. If you're going to give me the money, yeah. you want something back in return and whatever. I don't want it. I don't Come want it. it. Come on up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, now, you know, you were on the presses, right? How did that next transition. So, you know, I'm pretty sure other opportunities came in between, but how did you find your inner Wonder Woman? And I think there's a TED talk coming up. So I'd love to hear about how did you get to Wonder Woman? And um, I'd love to talk about your TED talk like after that. Yes. um, So I actually left Price is Right with the uh, intentions of heading and continuing to head and CEO the Smith Entertainment Company because I was still married at the time. Uh, to Kenny Smith. And I I thought that we were going to continue to keep moving forward with that. 
it ended up not working out because it just still stayed in the world of sports. And so that's really still just Kenny's, you know, that's his forte basketball. And, um, and in the transition of, okay, I'm just going to go back into my acting and singing. Um, a beautiful friend of mine passed away who was a, like a wonder woman to me. And she had been pitching her life story. She finally got the director of wonder woman to, to pick it up. And she just went straight to a seven minute series on TNT. And I was just like, so floored. Like this lady had been saying that this, she had believed manifest that this was going to happen about her life story. And it was like, you know, after a while people say things and then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, she believed in it. She continued. She put her whole heart into it. She got Patty Jenkins to believe in her. So she got straight seven series on TNT. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to see it through to production because she, um, she got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it metastasized, it went to her brain and she was not able to stay here on this earth. So she is now an angel. And um, her daughters continued on to, continue to make sure with Patty Jenkins that it went on and it was successful. It was called I Am The Night and it was incredible. Um, it was at her celebration of life where Patty Jenkins was there and I was just helping out with the music. And like a dream, what most people think it honestly, and I'd always dreamed of that even with my modeling, like that somebody would just tap me on the shoulder and be like, you're gonna be our supermodel, you know, you're gonna be it. And it never really happened in modeling. I was doing well, I mean, Price is Right, pretty good job, but it never really happened to be a supermodel in that way for me. But for sure, for Patty Jenkins to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I've been watching you. And you know what, you carry, the grace, athleticism, and beauty of what I want for my Amazons of my next Wonder Woman movie. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, yes, whatever you need me to do. You need me to like play the piano, do martial arts at the same time, like whatever, I'll do it. <laughs> I love that. I will be, yes. Just the answer yes. is yes. We'll figure out the rest yes. of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like show up and say yes. And the first audition, I walk in. And they're like, right, so you're going to put this harness on. Never been in a harness. And you're just going to like, you know, jump up on this wall, um, flip over, and then land in a martial arts position. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, it's me and you, God. It's me and you right now. Like, you're going to make time for me because I just said yes. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, okay. <laughs> and I did it. I just did it. I did it. I ended it. And, you know, they were thoroughly impressed. They were like, you've never done this before? I was like, no, I've never done it before, but I want this so badly that I'm going to do it. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> We're going to figure it out, right? And um, I'm just going to believe that every piece of my life is has prepared me for this moment. I'm going to believe that. And it did. Um, being on that set um, really opened my eyes because I'm admiring all of these incredible, some of them are Olympic British champions and, you know, they just achieve so much. Some of them have toured the world and what they do. And mm-hmm. I was, I was admiring them. And then I'm like, Gwendolyn, you are one of them. Like yeah. you're, this is you right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So notice yourself, right. Really see yourself. And, and with the time it took four months of the training, six weeks of of a six hour a day training sessions. Um, sometimes I couldn't walk. And let me tell you, I would, had just turned 40. So a lot of these girls were in their twenties. It was like, <laughs> but just keep believing. And I did. And, um, and I just got through and I was able to take care of my heart, mm-hmm. my mind, my physical body. 
yeah. in a way that I had never been able to before because I had been such a young mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was able to really dig deep and take care of myself in a way that I've never done physically, mentally, and spiritually. And that was how I was like, this is me finding my inner Wonder Woman. And so when I, so once I got back to America and I started telling people this story, I was like, wow, if I can do this, you can do this. Yeah. You can live your life and do it the way you want to. So this is how my speech came to be because I was like, I, I know people look at me and go, oh, but it's you. No, no, no. You don't know my story. Okay. <laughs> You're like I've been through the rough. Through. Do not play. <laughs> okay. Like I've, I've been in WIC offices. I've had to have food stamps. I had, I was on it for a year. I gave myself, you know, like I have had to dig deep mm-hmm. and continue to move forward no matter what, believing that the best will still be there. And I, I'm still doing it. Coming out of a divorce, coming back from that movie, I had to start again. You know, I had to figure out how to save my money again how to take care of my mind, body, and spirit. If things aren't feeling great one day, mm-hmm. believe they'll be good tomorrow. So this is where this speech now comes out of. And, it, and I also want women to know you don't have to be a mother to feel like a Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And you aren't only a Wonder Woman on Mother's Day, <laughs> even though this is so close to Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day. But yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for that deep dive and that breakdown. And I, and I love what you say. You don't have to be a mother or you don't have to do all this craziness to be a wonder woman. You can excel at different paces, places and paces of your life. If you just believe that you can do it. And, uh, you know, I love that you took the time to find yourself during this journey or rediscover, right? I think people always say find yourself, but, or we change, right? We change at different places of our life. We have to be different things, not only to the people around us, but to ourselves. And it's not finding yourself. You're never lost. It's more so like rediscovering, going on another journey and expanding and growing through like who you want to become. And so now we're going to shift a little into the entrepreneurial phase. So what made you decide to start your um, skincare brand like throughout this and like about what part of this journey did you decide to start that? Um, that actually happened at around the same time as, um, you know, Wonder Woman was going on. I, I was selling my oil actually on set to a lot of the other Amazons. And so, um, yeah, it kind of happened all at the same time. A, a friend of mine who's actually in the business of beauty and selling, she said, you know, you have such great skin and maybe you take that for granted because, you know, you've been in this industry and you've had to learn how to take care of your skin. Um, but I think it's time for you to share that. So I was like, oh, okay, absolutely. So I fell in love with this oil um, that has an anti-aging component. And there's a lot of oils out there, but um, I was like, I'm not doing anything that I don't believe in. I know really works. So I I tried it myself, um, had my family and, you know, Jamaicans are very honest. So (laughs) I was like, okay, it passes the test with them and my Miami Jamaican family, I'm going to be good. So it did. And I just went into it and people who know it love it they it's on subscription easily for them because they just I just know they're going to continue to buy it um and then I was like you know if there's a collaboration there I'll do it this candle with uber lamb came along she was so easy and beautiful to work with her spirit is so great and um I just it just happened and so now we have this new candle um can I curse on here 
Yeah, 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 definitely. So it's, it's it's called the perfect fucking gift set because okay. you know sometimes it can feel a little frustrating when you're looking for that gift set. So it's the perfect fucking gift set that you got to give to your mom, your grandma, your auntie, whatever it is, and it's just ready there for you for them to feel like they're in a spa and it has that island feel to it already. So um yeah, it just it just went. Yeah, it felt like something that I'm supposed to do so I did it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And so now we're getting to the part of the show where I ask you about your misadventure. So this this show is called The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. And we've heard a few, but is there any story that you haven't shared so far that really stood out that was just like shocking, whether it turned out really well and it was shocking or whether it turned out terrible, um, but something that shocked you on your journey to, you know, find yourself and do the work that you've been doing? Uh... Wow. I can't really think of anything shocking. It's a good one. That's a good one. But I can't think of anything shocking other than it being a lot of fucking hard work. Like (laughs) I was like, wow. So I've got to learn to sit down and sit still and write and like really think and like really like make notes and do homework and you know, remember this person did that. So I think that it's just like the amount of work mm-hmm. it really took and takes was quite shocking to me. But it, what it did do is it made me really reflect on whether I love this. So my, my, I always go, does this make me happy? Do I, is this making me miserable? You know, am I enjoying, even though it is work, am I enjoying the work? Is it about just the workload? Is it about the time? Those things I can sort out. But if I love what I'm doing, I can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. But if I don't, then we may need to cut that out. So (laughs) that is really, I think, the most shocking part is, and I'm still every day adjusting to this new way of living in life. I mean, having the pandemic obviously kind of made that happen too, you know, because we, we all had to shift and figure out how to mm-hmm. exist again. into a new way yeah, of, of life. So that, that definitely was, was a help to be honest, because we have to, you have to sit on, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, now I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, you've done a lot of different work um, in different industries. So, you know, uh, beauty, acting, um, modeling. And so, and being a mom through it all, you mentioned going through your divorce. So my question is, how do you manage your mental health or how have you stayed well throughout this, these experiences, whether that's like physical health, mental health, emotional health, like what are some of the things that you do to make sure that you're good? Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I ask all the women that come on my podcast, Tina Gwen. Um, so I am I'm mindful. So I started meditation during the pandemic mm-hmm. and um, I had actually just gone on a meditation retreat. I'd never really done it before, but I got on that right before the pandemic started. And that's really what introduced me to the world of meditation. And I met so many successful people that actually, you know, we, if we don't know them in the blue collar world, would think, oh, you have everything. You know, these are people that own yachts and multi homes mm-hmm. around world but they're not feeling successful they're not feeling fulfilled so what are you doing you know and so coming back to yourself coming back to a spiritual place now not everybody believes in god whatever your spirituality is mine is i do believe in god but i also believe that you know having great energy around yourself is going to continue to attract greater energy yeah that you just keep doing that and and so 
that is what the Buddhism is like when you're learning that meditation, you're kind of learning their ways of how you do. So I did like a lot of the Buddhist ways. And I kept thinking about Tina Turner because I have always loved Tina Turner. And I was just like, I can understand why she switched religions, <clears throat> you know, because the peace that comes from that yeah. is what I incorporated into my life. Ended up becoming a meditation teacher, got certified last year. And so finding space for my brain to breathe was the first part of mental health for me. And then I realized well, I like movement with it. So the movement with the meditation turned into yoga and meditation. Mm -hmm. And so now I incorporate a lot of my breathing into any of the exercises I do. If I do a HIIT workout, if I'm on my Peloton. So movement and meditation is huge. Um, and I'm, actual, I'm finishing actually a certification this week for nutrition. So making sure that I continue to nourish my body in the right ways um, from the inside out. And taking care of my beauty from the outside in, uh, just being aware that, you know, you've got to make sure you wash that makeup off your face, make sure that you do your little scrubs and take off the dirty dirt, you know. So, yeah, just being aware of all of those things, staying mindful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I, I really want to highlight what you said about allowing your making space for your brain to breathe. And I think mm -hmm. within this information obsessed society that we're in, things are always coming at you. It's like, learn, 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 do, 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 info, info, info. And then we have to scan through it and make it make sense and keep what is valuable, throw away what's not. And our brain and everyone's not sleeping well. And so our brain literally has no time to breathe and refresh. Our brains can be such powerful tools to us, but we are exhausting them. So I really like that you mentioned that to allow your brain to breathe. And now as we come to the end of the episode, I'd love to ask you, what type of motivation or inspiration would you like to leave the audience with? Well, I want you to continue to look for me because I'm going to be introducing Finding Your Inner Wonder Woman very soon. And you can go on my Instagram at it's Gwendolyn, I-T-S Gwendolyn. And you can see a little snippet of it on there. But I love to tell people just, you know what? As hard as it can be sometimes, face your truth. Face your truth, face as much as your truth as you can about yourself, which is asking yourself real questions and giving yourself real answers. And sometimes we're not, we're not ready for all of it, but yeah. do what you can. Take care of your heart. Make sure that you're breathing, giving yourself the space to breathe, your brain the space to breathe, mm -hmm. and moving forward and trusting yourself. So that's my advice. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Gwendolyn, for being here, for sharing that with us. And folks, if you want to check out Gwendolyn, again, it's Gwendolyn on Instagram, as well as if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, there will be descriptions as well as show notes for you to get more information and learn a little bit more about Gwendolyn. And thank you again for listening. And we'll catch you all in another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Bye, everyone.